Dale's Petcast. They provide unconditional love, unlimited companionship, and unquestionable support. We're talking about your pets. Useful information for you to better care for and understand your pet. This is Steve Dale's Petcast, brought to you by MerrickPetCare.com. Hello and welcome to another Petcast. I remember here at WGN Radio when the whole idea of podcasting began. Dr. Milt Rosenberg, of all people, right? Dr. Milt Rosenberg, and if you don't know who he is, uh, at that time, an oh, so well-respected interviewer, one of the best ever on the planet, an incredible, Professor Rosenberg, really, an incredibly intelligent guy, he began doing podcasting at around the same time I said, I want to do a podcast, but I do a pet show. It should be called a Petcast. And and I did that for several years. And then it just kind of trailed off, you know. Uh, But they're back. Yes, I know. Tell the world. The Petcast are back. And my guest is the lead veterinarian in Merrick Pet Care, Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. And we're going to be talking about cats and what they really need as far as drinking is concerned. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about going to the bar and carting cats or anything like that. I don't mean that kind of drinking, Dr. Lobos. I'm talking about water, how much hydration they need on a daily basis. And there's this perception that cats don't need to drink very much. They're able to concentrate their urine in a very unique way to cats. And it has to do with the fact that many millions of years ago, cats evolved as desert animals. So is there actually some truth to that? Wow, that was a loaded intro. There's so many different directions (laughs) that I could go. And I'm so excited to talk about hydration in our cats, because I would agree if there's um, a common misperception that they that they don't need water, and we can we can certainly double click on where um, they have evolved from and their desert cat ancestors. Um, but one of the key things is that, like you talked about, water is, and it is a I like to call it almost this magical nutrient that exists. Um, because if you think about the ultimate power that it holds, it's odorless, tasteless, colorless. But yet, without it, we really can't survive, not only as a human species, but certainly our feline friends and our canine friends as well. And it is so important in so many different aspects um, from, uh, you know, certainly um, body temperature regulation, both in hot and cold, as well as healthy bones and joints. And then, you know, uh, as you talked about, or kind of, uh, dusted over were certainly removal of waste products. So being able to get that those waste products out in their urine and all of that and is dependent on this magical nutrient of water. So this is a this is a great topic to to talk about, especially for our cat parents. So I, I think it comes down to this. And as a veterinarian, you'll tell me if I'm off base here. And anyway, you'll always tell me if I'm off base. It's it's this. <laughs> It's dogs need and we need more water per square pound of person or dog than cats need. But it doesn't at all mean 
that they don't require water. That would be an absolute mistake. Also, they don't tend to exercise like we do or dogs do. So dogs will play hard and they'll go, if it's your goofy Labrador, until you stop. That dog's going to be chasing that tennis ball over and over and over and over and over again and get really hot, you know, just like we would and want to drink water. Cats don't generally do that. They go for little sprints when they do run around. Uh, So... That requirement isn't the same, and physiologically it may not be the same, but that should never be mistaken, and some people do, for a cat not getting enough water. Am I making any sense? You you are totally making sense. Um, and so one of the, one, a key factor, kind of fun fact to remember if you, you know, as, as we're starting to be able to maybe socialize outdoors now um, in groups you can share at your next outdoor gathering um, is that cats need about 20 teaspoons of water a day uh, and when but when we think about how much they actually will lap up with one lap of their tongue it's only three one hundredths of a teaspoon that they get per lap of water so they are it takes a lot of work for them to be able to um, to drink water and stay hydrated, and there's a number of things that where you know we kind of make missteps as as pet parents, and one is one of the big ones is the the water bowl. So if we go back, we talked about our cats are have evolved from the the big cats out there who are desert species, and they like to be able to, when they were out in the wild, they needed to be constantly surveying the horizon, looking for either a predator or perhaps a prey that, that they would uh, pounce upon. And so their vision is really set up to see more at a distance. Then you layer on that, they've got whiskers. And a lot of times we forget about their whiskers, but these are key sensory inputs um, for them. They're almost like little extensions of, of their uh, their fingertips, if you will. And so those, when they hit the edge of a bowl, can tickle. So imagine trying to drink water while being tickled. And that's not something where you're going to stay and, like, take, you know, your time lapping up nice quantities of water. Um, and because they're small, typically our cats are smaller, so we have small water bowls. So they, you know, that kind of creates the perfect storm of them not being able to necessarily or not being, I would say, amenable to wanting to go and, and hang out at the water bowl because we've got this small little, uh, you know, whether that's a little bowl or a cup or um, shallow dish to sit there and drink the water because they're being tickled. And then they oftentimes, you know, we put it in a corner so we don't knock it over, but then they have their back to an area. And that again, kind of feeds into their ancestral descendants of they, that puts them in a vulnerable position. So it kind of creates this perfect storm for them, unfortunately. You know, it's been said that most of our cats are indoor cats today. And and most of those cats live day-to-day at least somewhat dehydrated. And if that is true, Dr. Lobos, and, and you'll confirm, then the cats are not feeling great because being dehydrated, if you've ever been dehydrated, friends, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. People land in the hospital for being dehydrated. Uh, that's how and, – and you feel awful. You feel like a truck hit you, you know? 
And and they're living, some cats anyway, every day like that. Is that true? It's, it's an interesting debate that uh, in the veterinary community, there's, there's research to support that, yes, they are living in this dehydrated space. There's also... Uh, as you mentioned earlier, research to support that this is just part of their natural physiology and they are really efficient at conserving their water. Uh, but I would say, you know, there's to provide fresh water for them and in ways and shapes and forms that they enjoy consuming, whether that is a, uh, you know, a freshwater fountain. Um, my mom oh, I'm going to, Dr. Lobos, to... I'm going to stop you there because yes. what? Here's what I want to oh. talk about because well, we have to break for a okay. commercial. We have even on a podcast sure. breaking for a commercial. But when we come back, this is your radio tease. The difference we can make for our cats things. If you have a cat or more than one, as most people do, things you can do, and the more than one is part of the answer too. Because you might have four cats, but one water dish. So we're going to talk about all of that, location of where those water dishes can be, supplements even to ensure that your cat is getting the right amount of water. We know that for the right amount of years, for over 30 years, Merrick Pet Care has been true to their original vision. That's simple, but not so simple. Creating high-quality pet recipes. I mean... It sounds simple. You know, last week on the PetCast, we talked to Dr. Ellen Jefferson, and she told us that their shelter, rather famous shelter, Austin Pets Alive, is a Merrick pet care feeding shelter. And the dogs and cats are fed Merrick there, and then they go home with at least some supply of Merrick pet food. And they're not alone. And we talked about how so many shelters say, I want to be one of those shelters. Well, there's a reason for that. The food is crafted and tested, offering wholesome meals for pets with industry-leading levels of proteins, vitamins, minerals, and healthy fats. Each recipe has real deboned meat, poultry, or fish as their number one ingredient. Plus, fresh vegetables and fruits from farmers that they know and trust. I mean, truly... They check out these farmers. They just don't go out down the street and pull something when the farmer isn't looking and say, oh, we're going to use that. That's not a – no, it doesn't work like that. MerrickPetCare.com or find Merrick Pet Foods at your local pet food store, pet supplies store, or, of course, like everything else, online. We're talking to lead veterinarian of Merrick Pet Care, who probably likes everything I said, but what I said is true, and that is Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. We're talking about cats living day to day. Some really are at least somewhat dehydrated. And for many cats, more than somewhat dehydrated. And uh, I don't know that people would know necessarily for a couple of reasons. Dehydration is not one of those things. I mean, if a cat throws up all over, you know, something is wrong, right? This is not one of those things that you can, there's no observable necessarily. The cat's just feeling lousy. And, and, and on top of everything else, cats are so crafty at masking anything being wrong with them. So I would argue that it's hard to tell. I know you know secret ways to do this. I do, too, to tell. But for the ordinary, it's, it really is hard to tell if your cat is dehydrated. Am I right? It, I would say yes. You know, for for the average pet parent, it's, they're probably not as as skilled um, at evaluating the hydration level in their cats. Um, but a, you know, a couple of 
simple tip that they can do at home. Certainly um, what we call kind of doing skin tenting test. And that's what we'll do, you know, when you, when a pet parent brings their cat in, that's one of the key things as as a veterinarian that we look at in the exam room. Um, First and foremost is their hydration level. And so taking the the hair behind and the skin behind their neck, kind of in that scruff area, most pet parents know where that is, and just kind of pulling it up loosely, it should go back down in a in a fairly fastidious fashion. Um, and if it doesn't, if it's kind of slow to retract down, that's an indication that maybe they're not getting as much water as they should on a daily basis. And, and uh, yes, I mean, what you describe is absolutely, I know it's absolutely true, but it can be hard if you're not experienced at doing what you just said. To know, okay, did did the skin go down fast enough? I mean, is it? And it's different for Persian cats than, say, a Sphinx cat, too. Sphinx cat have, like, no hair, and a Persian cat has hair everywhere. You know, so there's some difference there depending on the individual cat. Can you tell by the gums also a bit? Yeah, so if the the gum should be a nice kind of bubblegum flavor, uh, bubblegum pink color, uh, and if you... Some pet parents aren't as excited about putting their hands in their pet's mouths, but I I encourage it um, because for a whole other topic on dental health, I think it's really important for us to be able to flip the lip and look inside. But, you know, being able to look and make sure it's a nice, healthy pink color, as well as if you just kind of tap the gum, um, it should, it'll turn white a little bit where you put the pressure and then you lift your finger off and within two seconds, it should turn back to its normal pink color or its original pink color. And that's another indication that they're at a good hydration level. Um, These are also things you can ask your vet when you bring your cat in to kind of help you walk through. Those are easy things you can learn to do at home that can help you to be able, as a pet parent, to be able to assess whether it's your cat or your dog's hydration level. Okay, and that's probably a good idea for me to do a video on these things at some point. So you just gave me a great idea. So... Another, uh, uh, the thing I want to talk about most is prevention, or if the cat is dehydrated just a bit, what we can do about it. So let's talk about some of those things. Let's say, and most homes don't have a cat. Most homes have, I think it's 3.3 or something cats. Uh, so what, how many water dishes do you need, and what do you fill those water dishes with, and where are those water dishes, all those things? Yeah, all all the questions. Um, so I I do recommend you know if if your living situation and space can allow it to have at least one water bowl per cat. Um, cats can be very finicky and particular, um, and sometimes they don't like to share. Some cats don't mind at all, but I think it's important um, as you get to know your cat household um, to really be able to recognize if cats need their own water bowl. Water bowls. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of having at least one. Um, and then depending, you know, you will start to learn where and how your cat likes to get their water. Um, my mom recently, you know, was like one of the other 11 million people in our country this year that added a, a pet to her household and, and she adopted a little cat named Luna. And Luna loves to hop in the bathtub after my mom takes a shower and lick up 
pretty much every little last drop of water that's there. <laughs> um, so I, so I've taught, I, you know, my mom has a water bowl out, but Luna really prefers that uh, that water out of the shower. So I've talked to my mom. I'm like, just, you know, maybe turn the shower on for 10 seconds, let it wet down the bottom of the bathtub, you know, in the morning and the evening. And so we're making sure that she has that opportunity to lick up the water that she prefers. Um, Also, like I mentioned earlier, having a fresh water fountain, um, because, again, having that water coming down like a waterfall plays into their uh, ancestral instincts of looking out across on the horizon while they are drinking water. So that helps, again, to not make it so, quote-unquote, scary for them to drink water, as if someone could, you know, a, a predator could attack them from behind. Um, and then also provides that fresh source, which a lot of the cats are more used to drinking when they were out in the wild. You know, for your mom's cat, Luna, is that the name of your mom's cat? Yes. So for uh-huh. Luna, yep. it seems, okay, I, and I don't know this because I've never met your mom or Luna, but... Maybe, maybe Luna's actually not getting enough water from the shower if Luna's only drinking up, you know, a drop here, a drop there, that kind of thing. So for cats like that, I'm thinking a project like uh, a product like HydraCare that contains nutritional osmolites that actually aid in the absorption of water at a cellular level. So there are things that uh, there are products out there which you can talk to your veterinarian about that that can help cats with our technology that we have today, plus doing the kind of behavioral things, which make perfect sense, that you're talking about. Do you think that's... Yes. Do, you, do you agree? Absolutely. We are fortunate to have more options um, for our cats. I think not only, um, you know, some supplements that you can talk to your veterinarian about, but then also wet food. So our our canned foods and wet recipes are anywhere between about 75 to 85% moisture. So our cats can then actually eat their water, um, which is a win-win, right? So they get their the nutrients that the food provides as well as the hydration right there in the bowl um, and kind of takes the guesswork out of things. You know, and I buried the lead. I'm guilty there. So, uh, this is the big question, you know, dry food, moist food. What do I feed my cat or cats? Uh, is there a perfect answer to this? There is not a perfect answer. Um, so that, this could be a whole nother episode, Steve. We're very good at coming up with, <laughs> with future topics. Indeed. Uh, but kind of the, the quick and dirty is, you know, a lot of it comes down to texture. Our cats are very texture-oriented eaters. So if they don't like the way it feels in their mouth, whether it's a dry kibble or wet pate or various forms that, that wet recipes are, are made in, they won't actually eat it. Um, the biggest thing is that they're getting the nutrients that they need in the proper quantity and the proper caloric density. So we want to make sure they're getting the right pro- the right amount of protein and fiber and carbohydrates and vitamins and minerals and all of that with the right amount of calories to not tip the scales in one direction or the other. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of talking to pet parents in, in, uh, when they bring in like a new kitten or um, they've adopted a new cat um, to expose them to all of the different textures and varieties that food comes in um, in order to kind of set their palate and their taste buds and their 
little sensors on their tongues um, to really uh, understand that there are all kinds of ways of being able to get the right calories and, and hydration levels into themselves. And it's not as simple as if you feed dry only, your cat won't get kidney disease or will get kidney disease because so many cats over the age of 12, 13 in there somewhere, really, I I forget the percent, but we're talking 80 percent or some such thing, will suffer some kidney disease. And uh, that's that's a really big one in cats, something you want to avoid if you can. But feeding moist only doesn't always avoid that. But there is some thinking that at least some moist food containing all that water you mentioned is probably a good idea. What do you think? I I think we don't have any research that is to the contrary. So, you know, so we don't have any research that shows feeding wet food or mixing in those wet recipes is harmful to our pets. So I, again, I'm a big fan of being able to expose them um, to the various textures of of pet food that we make out there um, in order to set them up for success lifelong. And setting a cat up for success or a dog lifelong, how can that be a bad thing? Thank you so much, Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. It is always so much fun talking to you. Lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care, and I will say it again. She is the lead veterinarian because all the other veterinarians, they're just kind of behind following her just like little lemons. Uh, Lemmings, not lemons. I had that wrong, right? It's lemmings that I meant to say. Oh, well. Dr. Lobos, thank you so much. As always, I will be talking to you all, I hope, Sunday mornings at 530 on WGN with Steve Dale's Pet World and Steve Dale's Other World Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. I hope you follow me like lemons or lemmings. Doesn't much matter to me. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Steve Dale's PetCast, brought to you by MerrickPetCare.com. And as Steve always says... Be good to your pet, and they'll be good to you.